Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go inside the Coach's Headset. Hard work, dedication, setting goals. That's the philosophy of the head coach of the Monterey Wildcats, Adam West. And he joins us today on Inside the Coach's Headset, sponsored by Tony Smith, your shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at area code 931-528-7079 or visit him in his office at 425 East Broad Street there in Cookville. You are listening to Inside the Coach's Headset. I'm your host, Amos Rogan. Thank you for listening to ucsportsnation.com your source for all Upper Cumberland athletics as we go inside the Coach's Headset. Coach, welcome to the Inside the Coach's Headset. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, uh, we always like to learn a little bit about the coaches and and uh, how you guys kind of came about into coaching. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about how you got into the coaching ranks and, and if you – if you had any athletic experience prior to that that kind of influenced you to get into get into coaching, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I uh, I actually graduated from Monterey High School back in 1990. Played uh, three years of high school basketball. Didn't play my freshman year. Uh, kind of missed that year, but we did had received a new coach, a guy by the name of Keith Turner, who's now the AD at Science Hill. And uh, anyway, he became our coach, and and I decided I wanted to try and play and. Early on in, the, in, that, in that career, I uh, had an event happen that I really thought I probably was ready to quit, but I had, uh, couldn't get to practice on time, and so I had to run about, I don't know, six miles to get here. And when I finally got to practice, I was late, and my coach made me run when I got here. <laughs> so I kind of doubted whether I wanted to stick it out or not, but uh, glad I did. We were very fortunate, thought he did a great job with us, and um, in the end, we, you know, we had some success. We ended up in the sub-state those years and had a great, great experience. And I think a lot of my, you know, philosophy kind of started there. And uh, as far as coaching, you know, I started coaching right when I was in college. I was coaching some of these junior pro city league teams. And then I've coached a ton of kids over the years, have pitchers here and there, and started out coaching junior high in the high school. I was assistant for Coach Ferris. Uh, as the junior high boys, and I took over the junior high girls for a few years here, and and then I uh, went into the jun- the high school girls for about seven years, and we had some success with that, and was really pleased with the girls we had, and and just just a great experience for for the most part uh, for those years, and and then I was really going to get out of it, and, and then uh, something happened, and Coach Covington was the coach of the boys about eleven years ago, and. Uh, you know, my boys were coming up, getting ready to, you know, go to high school. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to try this, I might, and if I feel like I've got the energy, then I need to do it. And I got back in it and, and it's been a, it's been a blessing. And I think over the years, I've, I've kind of changed as a coach with philosophy. I wish all those older teams that I coach would have had this older coach, uh, as far as what he kind of knows and approaches the game a little differently and than they did. But uh, that's just the way you live and learn. And being a head coach at the high school that you graduated at, it's got to be um, pretty fulfilling as far as being able to, to, you know, show some some school pride in being an alumni. 
tell us a little bit about that. How does it feel to not only represent the school that you went to by wearing the colors and, and being on the team yourself, but now flip side being the coach of it? Well, it, it really matters because I know we're, uh, I hope everybody will always understand this is that, uh, I'm going to work as hard as I can work for this job that I have. And as long as I'm the coach, we're going to spend those extra hours doing what we're supposed to be doing, film sessions and things like that. And I mean, hours and hours. And so ultimately my goal is to have success for this program and to leave kids as they leave the program with a, you know, basically a feeling of, Hey, I was a part of something that was, you know, bigger than me. And that's kind of been my goal because I want them to have that experience. And, and, you know, I, when I look back at those kids, I, I, yeah, it's special that I've, that I've been here, but I look back at those kids and I think, you know what? It's special that I had an opportunity to do that because those kids now are out there doing things. And I, I even, I'll look at it sometimes and see a kid on Facebook or I'll see them out in the community. And, and, you know, it just makes me proud to, that I had a chance and had opportunity to be a part of that. And the fact that I'm from Monterey and I get to coach here, yeah, that's, that's all, you know, icing on the cake, but really that's really only icing on the cake. If, if it was, if I thought we did the best, you know, we've done as good as we could do over the years and kind of grown in the program and, and really done respect by it and uh, the respect for the town. You know, this is not a very big community. And when I grew up here, I very rarely even ventured to Cookville. So now that I'm here and all the things that are going on, I, I just wanted to, you know, I've always wanted it to be something that people can look and, you know, so that Monterey, you know, that's, there's something going on there that we, probably either need to be a part of it or we need to go up there and see what's going on and and that's that's what i hope that's going to happen when when all this is said and done and you know i'm at 23 years of my teaching so somewhere down the road they'll i'll be moving on but uh it's not anytime soon hopefully you know you was talking about wishing that some of your players that that you first started out with coaching got the coach that you are now because of the things that you know and the experiences and, and just the overall knowledge of the game that um, that you have now. As a young coach and, and working with young coaches now, what do you think is the biggest thing that they need to learn and probably take for granted uh, that they might realize later on that was a little bit more important? Well, you know, they're not cattle. I mean, you're not herding these guys through, you know, trying to trying to fit, you know, one style into a box because we don't do that here. We don't get to recruit the kind of guys that come to our program for what we have to, you know, for what we think our style is. Uh, but if, if I'd been back at that time and if I'm a young coach again, definitely early on, spend some time in your own personal philosophy. That's I think that's a big key and and kind of evaluate – you know, what you do it for. Uh, are you going to do it for the wins and losses? I think you probably will do part of it for that or you're not going to coach. But ultimately, that's not going to be what fulfills you as a coach because there's going to be disappointing losses. <laughs> that's just the nature of the business. You know, we're going to be disappointed if we don't because only one team wins their last game every year. And so you really have to evaluate why you do it. But, uh, you know, philosophy is something that early on, I, I just thought, you know, if I – taught somebody how to play a zone or play man-to-man, and, you know, we were able to put a ton of plays together that we would be good enough to win games, and we won some. But that really is probably something I missed is that I really should have spent some more time in, hey, what do I really believe, and, you know, what do I believe about this team in particular? And and 
I think in knowing that the kids, and I hope they all knew this, that that I cared about them, even though there's probably times when they were like, well, he's just so miserable every day. <laughs> and so so hopefully they, they, they get that. And that's a young coach. Somebody ought to smack them in the face every now and then and kind of say, hey, listen, uh, there's a better way. You can you can do this. You just got to be persevere, and you know and there's going to be some rough spots, but but ultimately there's just there's just going to be so much knowledge gained, and some of those lessons I could tell somebody them, but they wouldn't. I don't know. They'd do them a lot of good. They really some things have to be experienced on your own. And and you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes we learn by our mistakes a whole lot easier than somebody telling you don't do that. Um, in, in learning through some of those things and just seeing how the game has evolved, especially in high school teams here and around the Upper Cumberland, what what do you see as the biggest difference in the time uh, in in terms of the game? Uh, how much of the game has changed from the way that it is now versus the way that it was? Because from my perspective, um, the the outside game. And, and just the pure shooters have kind of come forward in the last, I would say, five, six years. You see a whole lot more outside game than you do inside game now. What What is your perspective on that? Uh, yeah, you see a lot of four out, one in. You do, Very rarely do you see a double post offense anymore, even though we do see some here and there. I think part of that is is just the involvement of trying to give space for guards and trying to give you know space for post up guys so people can't double and you know it's just it creates a dynamic that that you know it's not as not as physical and I think part of that has to go with just the way the game is changing the officiating side of it and that's you know that that's all in what I think would be the best interest but but man I'm the the getting up and down the floor you know. Uh, a lot of three pointers. I, I actually graduated my first year coach or playing high school. My sophomore year, obviously in '87, was the first year that we had a three point line at Monterey High School. So while you're talking about an evolution of a game in a year, we went from two pointers to to three pointers, and everybody thought they had to shoot them. Mm-hmm. But if you continually look at the scoring still, and this is a crazy thing that people don't realize, is that most of the scoring still comes from guys that get near the rim. Like, like the three-point shots are all fine and dandy, but uh, the guys who are the leading scorers for most schools, if you look at their statistics, they get to the rim, they get to the line, they're able to score, you know, within a few feet of the basket more times than not. They get up and down the floor really, really hard, and they always win those uh, sure battles of, you know, rebounds and things like that. So, In your experience, looking at everything now, what is your opinion of – a shot clock in high school basketball. I I don't you know I I'd, I'd like to see it. Not that I think it's going to uh, ever happen because finances and things that you know it, it, you put a lot of stress on these programs that don't have a lot of money anyway. And so to ask them to do something else like that might be just an extra financial burden that they can't you know can't fund anyway. But I, I think it would be nice because there's so many times that I would love to see teams have to work within a certain limit on their offense, you know, one time down the floor and then on the defensive side of it, you know, like you could be a really good defensive team. And if a team were to just hold out long enough, uh, which most teams don't, but if your team were to hold out long enough, then, you know, eventually you're going to wear down and, you know, they're going to give up a, you know, gap here or gap there where they get a shot. And 
And that's going to be the most difficult thing. If you play defense for three, four minutes a game, eventually you're going to get tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, or a quarter, I mean, not a game, but so in a row. Yeah, and I think in a lot of – I watch a lot of uh, Class 3 bas- uh, uh, AAA basketball. Um, that's I, – I live in Sparta. I watch White County basketball quite a bit, so – um, you know, looking at a lot of the competition that I see in down in Sparta, uh, clock management and, and when you get into the fourth quarter with three minutes left in the game and you got a six point lead, man, I mean, they're just playing keep away and, uh, looking at the, you know, and understanding that a shot clock is expensive. You're talking about a whole different, you know, scoreboard system at that point because you've got to have somebody, that's competent enough not only to to run the scoreboard but to understand how the shot clock works as well. Um, just the overall competitiveness of the game, though, when it gets to something like that, I think that's where a lot of people uh, can make the argument of a shot clock. Would you agree with that? Uh, definitely, and I, I think that coaches who are on the other side of that are thinking, you know what, if I don't have to worry about a shot clock, then I realize at the end of the game, and this is where it is for us, you know, that we know that free throws – at the end of the game, we're going to be the difference in the game if we got a lead. Mm-hmm. Like teams that shoot great percentages are really hard to beat. You know, that's uh, especially at the late in the game when you know you got a foul as opposed to the shot clock going to force the ball into your hands. You know, that would change the dynamic of how we coach. And I know that, that coaches, um, especially in this area, pretty tight-knit group of, of folks, highly competitive. They love to beat each other, but when the game is over with, they're talking about what's, you know, what they need to work on, those types of things. Talk about how you've utilized the camaraderie of, of the coaches in the in this area to, to benefit your program and, and to really kind of make you rethink potentially what your philosophy is towards the game. Um, I'm sorry, say that one more time. I had, I had a question. I apologize. No, that's okay. We're just talking, you know, you're talking about the, the – the coaching camaraderie, you know, you know a lot of these coaches that have been in these schools in and around the Upper Cumberland for a long time. Uh, you know them outside of the of the one, you know, the one or two ball games that you might be playing them a year. Uh, kind of tell us a little bit about how your the camaraderie and the the tight knit group that these Upper Cumberland coaches have. Uh, how it's affected your, and influenced your philosophy and just overall uh, style of game that, that you put out on the court versus what you used to? Well, you know, I, since I coach girls and I coach boys and obviously seeing a dynamic differently from boys to girls, and I'll say this, this is a weird deal, but, uh, you know, when you're when you have your rivalry games and you're actually playing teams that you are, uh, I guess, really competitive with year in and year out, there's there's that real uh, desire to beat those guys. But at the end of it, both of you know that, you know, maybe it wasn't your year and you still congratulate those people. Now, I will say this, that I've been a part of, <laughs> this is a weird deal, but been a part of coaches that have that are a little bit, we'll call it trash talkers. And that um, when they beat you, they, they're sure to let you know that they beat you. So that's been around too, even though as players, it's kind of funny that, you know, you don't ever think of coaches doing that, but yeah, coaches will have, have done that. I have witnessed that, believe it or not. And, um, 
and so it's there. But in, in, in my conference and in the coaches I've been associated with, I'm, I'm just – I have so many contacts and so many coaches that I really would like, uh, you know, to have a coach symposium somewhere down the road locally where where not only coaches could get together and share information with uh, with the younger coaching, the you know, the junior pros in the city leagues, but also kind of share within our own – you know, organization and, and uh, kind of get information. Hey, this is the way I think it should be done. And there's just so many things. And I know we young coaches think X's and O's are really the only solution that wins games. And those are really nice when it matters. But ultimately, the, the, the wins and losses come from the other things that happen, you know, the 80% of practice that we have over and over. And so our, our coaches conference, man, those guys uh, are good. And I, you know, I, I just hope that when it's all said and done that, that I've been able to compete with these guys year in and year out. And that's, it's been a stretch to get there, but we, we're in a, we're in a pretty good spot and, you know, but those guys are Rob, Rob, I mean, you look at my conference and almost everybody in my conference has been to the state tournament at one, one spot of time or another. So it's pretty tough. Nonetheless. We're talking with head coach of the Monterey Wildcats, coach Adam West, here on Inside the Coach's Headset, sponsored by Tony Smith of Shelter Insurance. Call Tony at 931-528-7079. Thanks for listening to Inside the Coach's Headset here on ucsportsnation.com. Uh, Coach West, when you look at your philosophy, if you want to sum it up in in a few words, uh, what kind of what kind of philosophy do you want to hope that every player who has sat on your bench can say, my coach taught me to do, and then you fill in the blank. Work hard, be positive, set goals. I mean, that's that's what we hope. I mean, you know, when they're when they're all said and done, that they they they've done that. And if you do that, you're going to win some ball games, aren't you? Well, we hope so. <laughs> if we <laughs> if we put it in the basket along with that, we definitely we definitely like our chances. Well, I I, I I like your chances. I, I think you guys are going to do a great uh, great job this year. Looking forward to seeing uh, uh, what you're what you're able to do out on the court. Uh, thanks very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Um, r- really like hearing kind of your philosophy and 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 some of your thoughts towards the game and towards your program yourself. So. Uh, I want to thank you very much for joining us, Coach West, and best of luck to you. And I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to to get on here, and I look forward to hearing the other coaches as you get those guys on there. Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go inside the coach's headset.